Welcome to the Enchanted Ears podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. We've got another great episode for you this week. Yeah, we do. With the new Incredibles coming out this week, and since it's been 14 years yeah, since the first one. it's been quite a long one, time. Yeah, the first one came out 14 years ago. It's quite a gap between the original and the sequel. But anyway, since it came out 14 years ago, we thought we would do a refresher, a prep episode, if you will. About the original. <laughs> prep episode. Yeah, prep episode. Prep episode. You just yeah, TM, TM. Did you just come up <laughs> on your own? Yeah. Okay. All right, a prep episode. I guess that's what we're calling it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a whole series. Yeah, it's just kind of a refresher for everyone since it's been a while. So, But yeah. before we get into it, I just want to talk a little bit, a uh, quick piece of Disney news. Because it's kind of a, it's not, it's a little piece of Disney news, but it's kind of a big piece of Disney news because it kind of impacts all of Disney and its entire future. Ooh, so, I like that. That's a good hook. You should so, like turn it into a, like a, a pitch for a novel or something. <laughs> could try that. So a few months ago, um, Disney and Fox announced their $52 billion merger of Disney acquiring basically... I'm, I'm sorry, that's that's a billion with a billion. B? Yes, yes. Oh gosh. So Disney acquiring basically all of Fox's movie assets. So it would be bringing back... Uh, X Men, uh, Deadpool, Fantastic We're bringing Four, bringing Deadpool back, kind of yep. back in, back into the you know the Marvel <laughs> oh, uh, cinematic universe. It would be bringing back all of Fox's TV assets. Also, it would give Disney Fox's ownership in Hulu, so it would give Disney sixty percent of Hulu, which is a big thing because Disney is launching their own streaming service in twenty nineteen. They already launched the ESPN service this year. They're launching a streaming service next year, so they could potentially just leverage Hulu as opposed to having to create their own. But uh, Comcast just came out uh, recently and said they are now planning a all-cash bid for Fox, which is going to be higher than Disney. Ooh. So, so months ago, all cash. This is like buying houses only on the big, big, big scale. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, <laughs> whenever Disney originally bid for it, Comcast was kind of talking about potentially doing a bid but they dropped it because they thought due to regulatory concerns they would never be allowed to actually acquire fox yeah it but, sounds kind of like a monopoly to me uh, a little bit so that's i mean the, disney acquiring it also sounds a little monopoly yeah so they, they were concerned about it. and i think the bigger issue was because comcast controls the distribution of channels so if they owned kind of the tv assets and the distribution of them i think that's what they thought the issue was but the Justice Department is actually reviewing the AT&T and Time Warner merger. And Comcast is looking at that because if that goes through, they think maybe they'll have an easier time going through the regulatory hurdle. So they're waiting to see the outcome of that. That's supposed to come out uh, June 12th, which will actually be tomorrow if you're listening to this the day this episode airs. So if the Justice Department lets that go through, Comcast said they're prepared to do an all-cash bid. But Fox just recently announced that July 10th, they've set for their shareholder vote to vote on the offer Disney made them. So a lot could happen in the next month here. I kind of think ultimately Disney will win out because I think they're so far along in the process already and uh, the, the Fox majority shareholders would prefer getting Disney stock as opposed to an all cash offer from Comcast. But if Comcast starts bidding, the price may go up and Disney may have to overpay wow. for the assets. So I just think it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's a huge mega merger. It could, it could swing a lot because Disney's really banking on having all these TV and movie assets for their new streaming service. And I think that's why Comcast is trying to block them. I think it's a little bit interesting because ever since Comcast bought 
uh, Universal and they own Universal Studios. Disney and and wow. Comcast, they've kind of been just like going back and forth. It started in the theme parks. They have this whole theme park war going, which ultimately is great for us because yeah, they're both sure. putting tons and tons of money into the theme parks. But now it's kind of spilling over into the you know media and digital assets as well. So we'll have to see where that goes. But I just wanted to mention that just because it's kind of came out of the blue. You know, Disney seemed to be smooth sailing with it. And now we'll, we'll see what happens. That's crazy. Wow. All right. So on to the rest of the episode. The preposode. The, the prep episode. episode, yeah, yeah, thanks TM. for the correction there. TM, TM. Um, so, we are going to talk about the movie. Um, first of all, we just wanted to give you a little brief summary in case you forgot, because, I mean, for me at least, it's been 14 years. I saw it, like, right. shortly after it came out. Which is, which is crazy. So, I looked this up because I was thinking of how many other sequels have taken that long to make. Because most of the time, especially now, if you don't make a sequel within two to three years you're out of date. No, yeah. Nobody remembers you. So I looked it up. 14-year gap uh, is the longest time for a Disney Pixar movie. So that's longer than uh, the 13-year gap between Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. And also uh, Monsters University and Monsters, Inc. had a 12-year gap. And then between uh, Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3, there was an 11-year gap. So this is the longest one. So it's taken quite a long time for them to, to make this movie. And I think a lot has changed since 2004 when this came out. But when the movie came out in 2004, it was very successful. So it's not a surprise that they ultimately made a sequel. It made a little over uh, 300, sorry, $630 million worldwide at the box office. What? And domestically, it's the seventh highest grossing Pixar movie. So Pixar's done 19 movies so far. And the first Incredibles was seventh overall so it it did very well and i think it would it did well commercially i think the critics liked it so it makes sense that they made a second one it's just kind of surprising that it's taken them this long but but pixar isn't one to just pump out sequels for the sake of sequels you know they really want to make sure that they have Mm -hmm. you know there's something there yeah they want to have a great story in place so just because it's been so long and because you know a lot of people probably haven't seen it lately or if, if you saw it when it first came out in 2004 you don't necessarily remember the plot exactly we just kind of wanted to, to give a refresher to everyone we actually just watched the movie this weekend uh to kind of refresh it ourselves and just kind of wanted to share what the plot was what our thoughts were highs and lows of the movie and then kind of give a, a brief overview of the second incredibles movie which will be out this friday if you're listening to it it comes out on june 15th so if you're listening to this a little bit late it may already be out already. You may have already seen it, um, mm-hmm. but just kind of go from there. So the first movie and, and the second movie, too, really centers around the Parr family. So they are a family of superheroes. They're called supers, uh, mm-hmm. kind of in this universe. And you have uh, Bob Parr, who is Mr. Incredible. And basically his superpower is just brute force. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of super strength. Super strength. And it, it seems like he's And solves... also indestructibility a bit because he falls from heights and then just kind of is fine. They all, all seem of them pretty do indestructible. That a bit, yeah. But... Yeah, they all seem pretty indestructible. I was going to say, there's a lot of like kind of death in this movie, but we can get to that a little bit later. That, that's yeah, yeah. maybe jumping ahead. But yeah, so he's super strong. And what I noticed about him and kind of his character development is he really seems to solve, at least at the beginning, he solves all his problems, which is brute force. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning, we're kind of introduced to them. A woman asks him for help. Her cat is stuck in a tree. And as opposed to climbing the tree and getting the cat, he just rips the tree up 
out of out of the ground, unroots it, and just shakes the tree until the cat falls out and then puts the tree it. back. Nice word. Yeah. Unroots. Not uproots. Uproots. He uproots, uproots it. Uh, upro- he uproots <laughs> it. I mean, it's good. Not rooting it. Yeah. So <laughs> so he just, he just kind of uses his brute force. He does. And then whenever he throws the boss through like 12, like yes. 12 walls and the boss magically doesn't die, that also... I mean, that's solid yeah, that's... some some brute force. Right, exactly. And then he's married to Helen Parr, who's also super. Her superhero name is Elastigirl. Elastigirl. And she, as she says, extremely elastic. Yeah, so. she's she's like she's like um, Stretch Armstrong on steroids. Can, right. She it, she not only can she stretch, she can kind of contort kind of herself into shape. So she turns herself, herself out. Right. She can. She yeah, makes herself a parachute at one point. She makes herself points. into a boat. Yeah. At one point. So. You're, you're, yeah, you're taking my stuff, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and then they have they have three children. Uh, one of which is a baby Jack Jack, and I think everybody probably remembers Jack Jack. So if you know anything yeah. about The Incredibles, you remember Jack Jack. The thing is, really, he's not in the movie very much. He's, he's in the movie a couple not minutes. In the movie, yeah. At the end, you know, he starts to develop his powers. We're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, and I think they've kind of centered a lot of this stuff since then around Jack Jack. So I think that's kind of why he's people remember him the most. But and then there there are two other children, um, Violet and Dash. Yes. So Dash is extremely fast. So that makes sense. And then Violet, she doesn't really have a superhero name or anything, but yeah, she that was she weird. can. I, I mean, I guess Dash, Dash doesn't either. But right. His that's name his name. Is it's his works. Yeah. It's just works. But Violet, she can turn invisible, and then she has the capabilities to build force fields around them. Yes. Around herself. So that's kind of what the uh, who the Incredibles are. So their last name is Incredible. Or no, he's not. He's Mr. Incredible. He's Mr. Incredible. Yeah, Par. He's Mr. Incredible. But that's why they're the Incredibles. So that's kind of what it centers about. But really, ultimately, it's about the kind of the family dynamic. Yeah, it's a story about a guy who's sort of lost his way. Mr. Incredible starts the story. You see him as a young buck. Uh, He was, you know, very into his job and being a superhero. And his he meets this girl, Elastigirl. And you almost think that they sort of met on, on a job and they make a like, comment about oh do you have plans for tonight meanwhile they're getting married that actually shocked me despite the fact that i saw this movie 14 years ago because next week i won't remember anything about this movie because that's the length of time of my memory so they get married in the beginning of the movie and then we sort of fast forward to when we have they have kids and you see oh oh but and I, I, I was gonna yeah, say you're kind of you're kind of missing big piece. Yeah, yeah and this kind of really sets up the whole plot of the movie so he if, saves a guy who tries to commit suicide, and the guy sues him. Right, and, and he doesn't want to be saved, and that kind of unravels. Which what's a little bit dark, I think, for a Pixar yeah, movie that somebody does, trying to commit suicide and doesn't want saved. But he sued. He sues Mister Incredible, and then that kind of causes a lot of other lawsuits to happen to for other supers, supers and right. that is what. Uh, it kind of puts a lot of the supers on lockdown. Which, it makes it illegal. They yeah. they pass a law that says you can't be a superhero anymore, which was I thought was funny because it's kind of like Civil War. If yes, it's the exactly. Pixar. It's kind of the whole idea between behind Marvel Civil War with the Sokovia Accords, yeah. right? Having to register. But this came out in 2004. But that was kind of the idea: is you can't be a superhero anymore. It was illegal, so he had to go and become an insurance salesman. Exactly. So whenever he's not very passionate about his job, I mean, he's selling insurance and he doesn't like it. So his life sort of starts to hit this, you know, very flat note. He comes home, he goes through the motions of everything, and he doesn't really enjoy his life very much. His ma- his marriage is sort of stagnated. He's not really a great father. And, ooh, thunder. Um, thunder. 
hear that thunder. Anyway, so he his life is stagnated, and then it and you, culminates was, when you his, find out though that he is secretly helping people. Right, he's going the police. Camp. So yeah. with his best friend. Uh, Frozone. Well, yeah, yeah. They're, they're kind of going out at night, moonlighting, and you get the impression that they've done this before because at one point something happens. Well, he says he makes the comment, "Hey, why don't we just go bowling this time?" Right, but that they've been relocated because they made a comment that oh, they're yes, going to have yes, to relocate yes. again whenever w- one of the times that he's helping somebody, it, it goes wrong a little bit. So. Exactly. So um, he's mo- doing this moonlighting thing, and also during the day, he's still trying to help save people. For example, some lady comes in and, and gives a sob story about how she needs like some coverage and insurance, and he tells them tells this lady the way around the company and how to manipulate things in the company so that she can get what she wants, even though he's kind of saying, no, you can't get that. And he gets pulled into the office by his boss and the boss looks like he's giving him a severe talking to. It almost looks like he's about to fire him. And Mr. Incredible puts him through the wall. This, well, he tells him cause he sees somebody, he sees somebody, getting, he mugged. Sees somebody yeah. getting mugged. So even though he can't be a superhero, he's, he's always trying to help people. And he wants to go help the person and his bosses. If you leave this, if you leave this room right now, you're going to be fired. And he, so he stops because he knows he can't get fired. He needs a job for his family. And then the guy gets away. Uh, the criminal he sees out the window gets away, and his boss was like, "Oh, that's good." Yeah, and he puts him through the wall. Yeah, he makes well, a yeah. Yeah, he, he puts him through, through the wall. wall. So right. basically, he ends up getting fired, and then it seems like it's almost the same night he gets this message from this mysterious person. The mirage and in this this message it wants to know if, if he can come and do something for them he, they have a job that it requires for him to use his powers and it pays three times his salary and i think she tries to say that she's with the government right i think she, she mentioned that she, yeah it's kind yeah. of like a government project so they need him so he thinks it's it's legitimate it's legit, yeah. right so this allows him a way to sort of you know not tell his wife. And yeah, so he says he's going on a business yeah. trip. He, he doesn't tell her that, that he got fired or anything. Right, he, he and so then he goes He goes to this, he fights this robot thing on this island, and he ends up getting eventually captured. Um, and his wife is worried about him and wondering where he is, and so she ends up finding his, his uniform, and like his old uniform, and there is a scratch on it. She knows that he's been out superheroing behind her back so she calls edna um what's her last name edna mode yeah edna mode she calls edna mode and edna mode sort of gives her the bat like the the story behind mr incredible because she made him a new yeah so she's she's, kind of he commissioned her so so edna is kind of the designer of all the superheroes she's kind of i don't know whoever the top designer we'll say the kanye west Kanye West does clothing design now. We're going to call her the Kanye um, West of superhero clothing design. That's what I'm going to call her for this because I don't know any other fashion designers. I was going to say Kanye West. Except, is a- Kanye West designs fashion clothes. I don't know anybody else besides Kanye West. So she kind of is the, you know, the trendy fashion designer for all these supers. So she makes her costumes. So Mr. Incredible, he needs, a, he needs his um, outfit fixed. So he goes to her. She, can, she makes a new one for him because she loves making costumes for supers she's now kind of stuck for other stuff so right so so elastigirl goes to her finds out that 
He's she made um, a uniform for Mr. Incredible, and then she also finds out that he has a tracking device in his suit, and she wants to know where he has been. So she activates the suit, which then allows her to track him down. She gets the the uniforms that Edna Mode made for the family that are designed specifically for their personal needs. So the whole family, she Helen goes home. She prepa- she prepares to go and save her husband and she leaves and she leaves Vi in charge and whenever she is on her way she finds out that her kids are actually with her. So cuz they find a suit she's trying to hide everything right. from them. And she really doesn't know he's in trouble. I think she kind of thinks... I almost think she thinks he's kind of having an affair or something. That he's seeing someone else. Yeah. Because he's he's got he bought a sports car. His whole demeanor changed. He kind of starts she... getting back in shape. He, he gets a sports car. And so I think she's worried because he's being secretive. And now he's off in some remote destination. She doesn't know he's in trouble. Because I, I think she has well, an idea. But I think she thinks something's happening. She about, like, if... If he's not in, like, if he's not in physical danger, he's going to be in trouble. He's going to be in trouble, right? Right. Like, I think that she thinks fifty-fifty. Either he's having an affair, or he's like something's really very wrong. Right. And she has to go save him. So she ends up on the jet, which surprise, she can drive a like she She can fly fly a plane, plane. which is pretty awesome. She's a super. Yeah. She can do anything. But yeah, it was pretty cool. And when she's on there, she throws her bag and she hits her daughter who she didn't know was there because her daughter was invisible and she finds out her son's there as well. So they all go and, of course, have like this little argument about why they're there to try to save Mr. Incredible. Right. And ultimately, it turns out that in the beginning, you kind of meet this kid who's a big fan of Mr. Incredible. He wants to be a sidekick. Incredible. He calls himself Incredible. His name is Buddy. And Mr. Incredible kind of, you know, he says, I I work alone. I don't need you. You know, the kid's not a super, but he looks up to him. And there's a he, he tries to apprehend a bad guy. It kind of all goes awry. So Mr. Incredible because, gets mad at him. Because of an incredible way. Right. And, and he gets mad at him. So he turns into a supervillain because that's what you do. If whenever you, whenever your heroes when fail you're you spurned by your hero. You just you turn, turn into a supervillain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, so he's ultimately the one that that captures Mr. Incredible and is the one kind of behind all of this stuff. So the family goes, like you said, Helen goes, the kids are on the plane, they go to rescue him. And really, this is kind of when the movie kind of comes together because this is really where the family dynamic pulls together. So the kids who have kind of been raised to not resent their superpowers, but to kind of not use them. Repress them. them. Right. Dash wants to, he wants to run track or play football, but they tell him no because he's too fast. And, and, uh, you know, Violet, she kind of has her own thing. She, she tries to, she's invisible that's her superpower, but then in real life, she tries to be invisible. Like, she doesn't want to be noticed. She kind of is a rebellious teenager. Yeah, she's, um, she's, yeah, she's a rebellious teenager that's right. insecure. And um, she's also never been taught to use her her shield powers because she's also been told not to use them. Right. So, so whenever they get to this island, you know, Elastigirl, their mom kind of tells them, hey, look, this isn't like TV. Like, these people will try to kill you. You have to use your powers if you need to. You have to stick together. And so it's really kind of where the kids kind of blossom into their own and they see how much fun it is to be supers. And, it's, and there's and that cute scene where they're like, Mom, you told us not to use it. And she's like, well, I'm telling you the opposite now. Listen to me now. Don't listen to me from the past. Right. And and, and so that's and that's really what... And, and Brad Bird, the director, is even kind of mentioned this, that 
his interest in this movie wasn't necessarily the superpowers. It was kind of the family dynamic. Yeah, the and family that, dynamic. And that's really what really well done. And that's really movie. what drives the movie. And that's kind of like any Pixar movie. What the movie's actually about isn't kind of the gimmick. The gimmick's there for the kids and, and stuff to see it. But what makes Pixar movies so great is there's so much there for adults. It's a good story. There's kind of if you keep going down, there's there's deeper levels that as you get older, you can enjoy it for a different reason. So when you're a kid, you can enjoy it for the superhero aspect of it. And then as you get older, you can kind of enjoy it for, you know, the I mean, coming yeah, of the, age the, and the family yeah, aspect. The family to it. dynamics are, are very well done. Um, but I'll talk about that in a little bit. So, yeah, they end up getting missile shot at them while Mr. Incredible is watching because he's been captured by Syndrome, which is Buddy's... Um, super villain name so he watches he he knows that these missiles have been fired and they actually the family escapes the plane but mr incredible thinks that they have not so they this is like a a big you know sad scene for him and this is actually ultimately what causes i'm gonna call her the mirage i don't think her name was ever yeah mirage was her name yeah, I don't think that this is what ultimately sort of motivates her to get on Mr. Incredible's side because he doesn't kill her. He has the opportunity to kill her. He doesn't kill her. And he also just, like, witnessed his family die, and then she finds out that they're not actually dead. And this is sort of what sets a lot of the things into motion. Right, when and she, she sees what, what Buddy's trying to do. So Buddy's ultimate plan is he created a robot that is built to kind of destroy everything that he's sending into the city... I don't know if it's New York. It's kind of like a New York City type yeah. thing. And it's going to destroy the city and then he's but he can control it. So he's going to come in and save the day as as a new super and then everybody will love him. So his plan isn't to be some super villain that everybody hates. He actually wants to he's creating and the then problem. He has a retirement plan too. Yeah, Whenever he, he's too old, he wants to sell his technology because he has no actual superpowers. And right, so everybody can he'll be, make all kinds of money so, off, and of then it. everybody can be a superhero, and then that means nobody will be a superhero. Right, right. So he's going to create the problem and then solve it, but it ultimately so he sends a robot. It ultimately goes awry, and then the Incredible family once they save Mister Incredible, the, the the Par family, they then go and then stop the robot. Buddy actually dies, which like I said, there's so much death in this movie. He yeah. he ends up blowing up for being a he, for being a Pixar movie. A lot of people a, die. He, oh, yeah, he blows he up. up. He gets sucked into the well, yeah, the turbine yeah. of the plane, well, and his plane explodes. Up because he gets no, but his plane explodes. When he gets sucked in, his plane explodes. Yeah, but wouldn't you be chopped up by the I turbine? Guess. Chopped first? up and exploded. Because it, it's so. the whole it's the whole um, callback to the the cape comment that and and that's why makes, Edna, yeah, and it won't make capes because all the superheroes die from cape accidents. So, but yeah, then, yeah, that was that was a nice yeah. that was a so, nice little thing. So, but then that. it ends kind of on an upbeat note that people realize, hey. Supers aren't that bad. Maybe there's a need for them, and that kind of rolls into what the second movie's about. Yeah, what, we kind of we kind of breeze by the fact that Syndrome into. kidnapped Jack Jack. I mean, very briefly, and that's kind of when Jack Jack started. Yeah, and that's his when powers. Syndrome ended up dying, and and right. then um, Mrs. Incredible goes and saves him, and then parachutes down back like back down to the earth. Right. So before, so that's kind of a a brief overview of the first movie, and like I said. It ultimately leads right into the second movie, which we'll touch on a little bit at the end. But now, Angela, do you want to kind of talk about your like kind of highs and lows? I know you, you kind of made some notes of the movie, what you liked most about it, 
what yes. you did what you want to see more of in the next one right so you kind of want to touch on that so i like to start with the the negative and then work toward the positive my lows are um one of the my first low is that i think it was a bit slow at times i usually it is a long movie yeah so it's almost two hours and incredibles 2 is actually going to be the longest pixar movie it's it's about it's just shy of two hours so it is one of the longer ones which i was a little surprised about yeah um it's definitely slow uh, joe and i have had a couple like crazy days we went to see justin timberlake we were out till late so i woke joe up three times during the uh during the movie i fell asleep for five minutes and i didn't even miss anything so in my defense, exactly what i'm saying here in my defense though it wasn't like i slept I mean, through half the movie i was taking notes as we were watching and i threw my pencil at joe to wake him up that was the one that actually seemed to do it and he stayed awake and the movie kind of picked up a little but it goes back to my point that it was a little bit slow between when like Mr. Incredible was captured by syndrome and when Elastigirl and the family come to save him it it just it just sort of lags a little bit there uh my next low is Mr. Incredible's condescension to Elastigirl and this happens a few times in the movie and of course part of it is because he he does he's the character that demonstrates the most growth he starts off as kind of egotistical and then he moves toward a better family man and um it really his character does grow a lot but there's this one time uh, i thought that his line you keep trying to pick a fight but i'm just happy you're here that he makes to elastigirl after she comes and rescues him i really took umbrage to this uh because it is right after he left her and the family he lied to her uh, and most recently helen caught him hugging the mirage lady so, I mean, I would have liked it if Elastigirl would have snapped back at him and called him out on that comment and the unfairness of it, but she sort of lets it go. I think something else explodes or happens around them, but I, I did think that that comment kind of made her seem more like a nagging wife, and I didn't, I didn't like that. I also think that's a little bit of the sign of the time. So, yeah. with this movie being in 2004, movies were a lot, not saying this, it's right or wrong, but movies were a lot different back then. Oh, for so, sure. And I think you kind of see that. They're so, just playing off of the nagging right, mom right, trope. Right. And now... Which now, yeah. And now with Incredibles 2, Elastigirl's then, actually the main character. Right. It's kind of flip-flop. So it kind of shows you. Right. And that is and that is one of the fascinating things with the big I mean, I gap think they did is that you can see the difference. Job. Is that you can see the difference between, you know, what movies were back then and kind of how the genre is leaning now. Right. I mean, I think that they did a good job of handling most of the things. It's just that that particular line really stuck out to me as not um, not not a very good one. And another thing that this is probably this is my biggest thing, I think, is there there are some weird combinations of powers. So Violet and Jack Jack have more than one ability, which seems kind of like convenient writing for to me more than it does anything else it was sort of like they thought that in invisibility isn't that cinematic or interesting so we're going to give her the ability to make force fields and then jack jack has this weird thing where he heats up and he turns into like a flame child and then he turns into a demon and then uh, i think he had one other ability to it it was that was pretty crazy um well he's just starting to come into his abilities so you kind of see a few of them but I don't even oh, know he that he knows a, them all. He turns into lead. Like he turns into a, like a very right. heavy, like heavy baby. And he's syndrome actually starts to sink whenever he's holding him. So he has a weird conglomeration of powers also, which just seemed to me like, I mean, for him, it was funny, but with Violet, it seemed a little bit like, Oh, well this isn't interesting enough. So and he we'll has even, something else. he has even more powers in the second yeah, one. In the so second one it seems you like don't even know what powerful. all of his powers are. 
Yeah, exactly. So I just thought that that seemed a little convenient. That's all I have really for the lows. For the highs, I thought that the portrayal of family life, going back to what we were saying, is very relatable from the midlife crisis to the work stress to the petty arguments that the couple um, that Helen and Bob get into. We never have those, so we can't relate. But for the most part, you know, I think that we're – it's pretty relatable for most people. No, and- it is. And they do. And that's what I like most about the movie is that they they do a great job of it. And it, and it is a great movie. And you have to think about it that this came out before kind of the big superhero craze. So it was kind of one of the first superhero movies – and so it did a good job of kind of portraying superhero movies and it kind of had all those beats into it, but it had a lot of heart to it is what I liked it. You know, you, you really felt the family dynamic, the kids, uh, you know, they weren't, like I said, they were a little bit rebellious, kind of like we mentioned, but they weren't, they were rebellious, they it were does, rebellious, not to their parents. They were rebellious to the fact that they had these powers and they couldn't use them. I mean, it mimics real life. I mean, it, right. you, you but hear t- about kids having issues at school where they have to, you know, Dash gets in trouble for putting a tack on his teacher's seat and, and the daughter, I mean, she doesn't really do anything, but she has her own little teenage drama with her, with the boy that she likes. So right. it is so but, nice and accurate and relatable. Right. But ultimately it's like when, when push comes to shove and they're in trouble they know they're a family and they can r- help each other and they're there together. for each other and and that's and that's really powerful it is uh another thing that i liked was mr incredible's conflict is really compelling and twofold because he feels his calling is to save At the beginning of the movie you know whenever he isn't working the insurance job his calling is to save he feels like he wants to go back out there and be mr incredible again and he can't because of the laws and his family. So he's actually having this conflict with not only, you know, with society and with his family. It's it's a twofold conflict, which is really interesting um, because it's not just one layer. He has it coming from multiple directions, which is really interesting. And also another thing I think is interesting is his decision not to inform his wife about the, his termination is an interesting decision and it's nuanced as well. So he lost his job. He doesn't want to admit that to his wife because that would put more pressure on her as well. And so he risks his life to take this new job, which ultimately he thinks will provide more financial stability for his kids and allows him to do what he wants and his life really does improve after he starts being a superhero again. That's interesting. You, you kind of saw it that way. Cause I think you could also see it as that's kind of a selfish choice. Oh, it is. Of it not, absolutely. Of not, if he's, he's not telling her because you know, he, he doesn't want, he doesn't want to, her to see him as a failure, but two, because he wants to be a superhero and no matter what anybody tells him, he still wants to do it. You know? So while, Helen is kind of when uh, Dash gets in trouble is telling her kids, Hey, you can't do this. You can't put the tag. Um, Bob is like, well, how fast you ran so fast. I couldn't catch you on camera. Like, that's incredible. Like he's, you know, egging him on to use his powers and she's not, cause he wants to do that. Like no matter what. So it is a little bit selfish, but yeah, I, I mean, you're right. That is part of, yeah. It's part of the, the character growth. I mean, right. I have to always remind myself of that when I'm watching a movie like this and somebody acts like a jerk and I'm like, okay, that's, it's supposed yeah. they're supposed to be a jerk, right? Kind because of. by the end, he realizes, and he even says it that you know I, I always thought I needed to be a super that that's what I needed, but I had everything I needed, you know, kind of with you guys the whole time. Like my, fa- I'm paraphrasing obviously, but you know, basically, hey, my family is really all I needed. I I didn't need to be chasing after this, 
you know, adrenaline adventure the whole time. Yeah, exactly. We've already mentioned this, but I love how the family works together. Whenever they're battling together, it is so interesting just to see how each person plays their own role. For example, when Elastigirl and Violet and Dash all come to the island to save their dad, Elastigirl becomes the boat and Dash becomes the rudder, which is hilarious. It's a really ingenious way to use their powers together. So I thought that was, it, it's delightful. In many, many places, they they use the powers in an interesting way. So I, I, I enjoyed that. And my last positive is Driveway Boy. I loved driveway, driveway Boy. This is the boy who... Oh, the kid on the tricycle. I'm like, <laughs> the kid on I the was tricycle. like, who is Driveway Boy? Yeah, because he hangs like, out in their driveway. I was like, was there a superhero that I missed here? No, I would love to see dri- what they actually called driveway him. Driveway Boy. Okay. What they called him in the credits. But... He's the kid in like one, two scenes in the driveway. You're right. Yeah, go, he sees Mr. Incredible pick up the ahead. car and is like, <gasps> whoa, awesome. Yeah, and because then... when he first sees him, he's like, I'm, I'm just waiting for something awesome to happen. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, when all this crazy stuff happens at their house... Yeah, he sees the explosion. He sees Elastigirl being the parachute, like coming down with Jack Jack, and I believe even Vi puts up a a um, force field around them too. So he sees all of this occur, and somehow he stays out of the blast. By the way, and he sees all of this occur, and then he's just like, "Whoa, that was incredible!" And it, I just thought he was really funny. So. This kind of takes me into my my last the thing. The unsung the, hero of Driveway Boy. Exactly. And um, so this takes me into my last bit is my wish list for the next movie. It seems like there's not very much time that passes between this movie and the next, is there? Well, it does. Yeah. So I, you want me to give a brief kind of just well, overview of what we know about saying, the second I just want to say I would love to see more Driveway Boy in the next movie. <laughs> more time. Okay. So, this, so kind of rolling into the second movie, I think this is... You know, that was kind of a good overview and a catch up of where everything stands. And it's important because even though 14 years have passed in our time, uh, no time has passed in the world of The Incredibles and in, in kind of the Pixar universe here. So the, the second movie takes place immediately after the end of the first movie with the introduction of The Underminer. So at, at the end of the movie... Um, he pops up out of the yeah. Ground. He, he pops up. He pops up out of the ground and says, "I'm the underminer." And it, you know, and we see the family getting ready right, to take right, him on. Right, and it kind of ends there. So the, the second movie picks up there, and I'm not. I, I don't think he's the main villain because there also is a new villain called Screen Slaver. Uh, so I think there's going to be you know some pr- probably social it, commentary yeah. on the fact that we're so attracted to our screens. screens. Right. I, I think that's probably where they're going with that. But so kind of the the main thrust of the story, like we were saying, this is the difference between a 2004 world and then a 2018 world where you have a Wonder Woman movie, where you have a Captain Marvel movie coming out, when you have more female-centric movies and superhero movies in particular, that the kind of main roles are flipped. So whereas in The Incredibles, it was all about Mr. Incredible going out and doing, and he was kind of the main driver of all the action. And then the family was kind of in the background and Elastigirl's in the background. You have Elastigirl being, being the main uh, hero in this movie. And he's the, he seems to be the, the caretaker. He's right. Mr. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's yeah, stay at home dad taking care of Jack Jack as he gets his power. So Elastigirl, the idea kind of behind this movie is since the Incredibles kind of saved the world a little bit or save the city and people are starting to warm back up to supers. There's, 
I think it's almost like an ad agency is trying to you know do a publicity for Super, so they employ Elastigirl to go out and fight crime. And basically, in one of the trailers, I think she says, you know, it's crazy. I have to break the law to fix it. I have to go be a super to save my family. So she's out there breaking the law because it's still illegal to kind of get the public support behind her so that they then change the law and make supers legal again so that her children have the chance to choose whether they her, actually want to be supers Yeah, and or her not. family seems to function so smoothly whenever they're able to... The family that saves together stays together. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like that is something that she's not only battling for, you know, their rights, but she's also battling a little bit for her family, which I would I would love to see that as one of the maybe the themes. If Right. You know. And I have to imagine... This is just kind of my guess that the company that employs her ultimately turns out to be villainous. Ooh. That they're kind of they're, that it seems like they want to help her and they want to help supers, but they turn out to have some sort of ulterior motive that turns I out to be of that. that turns out to be linked. You're sounding to a little bit like me. Flavor. Like I just it just seems like it. That, yeah, hey, hey, this I hadn't this thought of that. But that's probably true. This businessman comes up and says, "Hey, Alaska girl, we want to hire you to go out and fight crime. We're we're trying to change people's it's perception of supers." Yeah, it just seems you know a little off putting. Not maybe it does not go that way because it could go potentially a different direction and it might not go that way because Brad Bird has mentioned that. One of the reasons it took so long to make this movie is because he didn't want to make a sequel unless he had a really good story. And one of the things he had to battle was now, like I was saying, so in 2004, this is before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is even before Batman Begins and that kind of whole trilogy. So there's been so many superhero movies that people kind of know what's going to happen. So he's fighting all these tropes. So he didn't want to just do a standard superhero movie. So if Joe turns out to be right, I want everyone to, to hashtag Joe Stradamus. <laughs> hashtag Jostradamus. Good luck. Good luck trying to spell that. Yeah, I don't know how to spell it either. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'll, let me look up how to spell Nostradamus. Okay, okay. Well, while you're doing that, I can talk about my wish list for the next movie. Okay. So I would like to see more humor. Uh, I just finished. It was the my my last day of school was like last week, and so I just watched Mo- Moana again with my kids and. One thing that really works How for me about that movie. How many times have you watched Moana? It's probably around 10. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just had to know. I know it's, it's been a lot. It's a lot. I mean, maybe maybe not 10, but I've, I can at least five or six times. Yeah. So I didn't so, mean to sidetrack you. Yeah, no, no. It's, a, it's okay. So I watched Moana again, and one of the reasons why that movie works so well and why it's so interesting and why I keep coming back is when the action is slow, the humor is good. And of course, the songs are excellent in it. But there's all there's something that goes on in that movie probably every like ten minutes that's really good. So you stay engaged the whole time. And I'd love to see maybe a little bit more humor in this movie. And I think that that might help keep the interest up, especially if you're saying it's going to be the longest Pixar film. Right. It's it's two, which is it's going to be just under two hours, which is a little bit long for kind of children's movies. And I, I almost wonder if it will be more kind of fast paced and action, just because as we've kind of saying a social commentary on how much we're linked to our phones, we have shorter attention spans now, you know, everything we, you know, we need something every, you know, couple minutes to kind of keep our attention because right. of our phones. So in 2004, we didn't need that. So a slower paced movie probably made sense. So it may actually be yeah. a faster paced movie. I mean, movie. I probably would have fallen asleep too, if I hadn't had my notebook right there and I was taking like, 
vigorous notes as and the movie that, was going And again, on. I did not fall asleep because it was a bad movie. I liked the movie. I liked it when I saw it before. I liked it when I saw it again. I was just, hey. You partying too hard. Loki, <laughs> Loki was cuddled up with me. It was just, it was nice, you know, just kind of curled up on the couch, just kind of closed my eyes briefly, and then I got hit with a pencil, and then I was back. So it was like five minutes, and again, it wasn't because it was a bad movie. Real quick, we can get back to, but I looked up how to spell Nostradamus. So if I'm right, so Nostradamus is spelled N-O-S-T-R-A-D-A-M-U-S. I mean, we should have done a spelling so if bee I'm style. Right, so if I'm right, and we're going to go Jostradamus, we'll go J O E. S T R A D A M U S hashtag Joe Stradamus. Anytime I'm right about anything, predicting anything, because I will make a lot of predictions over the course of this podcast. Because if there's one thing I like to do is just to guess things, but say it so adamantly, like I'm right, and just be like, I know this is going to happen. So yeah, he he doesn't only say things adamantly whenever he's guessing about them. He says them about basically everything. everything. Uh, so do you have so do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, I have a few more things. So another thing is, and I think that this again, it's a sign of the times. I a more likable Mr. Incredible, and I think that that's that's going to be well covered. Um, and again, by the end of the movie, he was he was a little bit more likable. I would have liked to have seen him a little more at the end, sort of apologize maybe a little to his family for what happened. But uh, I, I think he did though. I mean, he really like I said, he came around he and did. said, "You guys were all I I really needed. Like, I'm sorry." That I went and did this. I don't know if the words "I'm sorry." Yeah, he didn't say "I'm out, sorry," but but he, but he really. I mean, I felt that you know he knew he he came to the realization that his family was the most important thing, and he didn't need to be a super. That he really all he needed was them. Yeah, and uh, I would love to see more of the kids. I think that we are going to see this, I but think, yeah, I think you'll see more of the kids. I'm for interested sure. to see how Vi is as a teenager. More what happens with that whole relationship with her and that boy that she like idolize and then by the end of the movie it was almost like she sort of blew him off which was cool uh, i would love to see where that goes i'd love to see how dash is doing in sports that yeah, whole that scene was, was the end, well done the end was hilarious so they ultimately say hey go ahead you can play sports and he's at his he's at his track meet and he starts the, the track meet starts and he starts running he's going slow and his family's cheering him on it's, he's a little bit like usain bolt like yeah. kind of like messing he, with the well, people no, around because him. He's, I mean, he's trying not to use his powers and his family's holding back his family's telling him go 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 and then he starts running real fast and he, and he go, pulls ahead and then they go no not that fast pull back and they're like second 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 place <laughs> and then and then the people next to him are looking at him like why are you trying to tell your kid to be second not first and it's funny yeah. and they're so excited because you know, he, he pulls up and he slows down just enough that he just comes in second. It's like, you know, they're happy because he didn't go so fast that he kind of gave himself away. But I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it was it was a pretty funny scene. So I'd love to see more of that. And the last thing I would love to see more of besides Driveway Boy is Edna Mode. I want to see so much more of her. I don't know if they're going to get more uniforms. I, or... think you, I think you will see more of her because so much of the promotional material leading up to this has been... a about Edna Mode and about how she is this fashionista. They've almost been doing kind of like releasing her as like this fashion designer. So a lot of the promotion has just been about her being a fashion designer. So I think like Mugatu. Yeah, yeah, like Mugatu. <laughs> I said Kanye West. Mugatu is probably better. So and much better. But um, see, where relax, was that earlier? Relax. Where, where was that earlier when I was thinking? If you guys don't know what we're talking about, about Zoolander. 
Uh, but so I think I definitely think she'll be in it a lot more because they have already been using her. An interesting fun fact: she's actually voiced by director Brad Bird. Get out of here! Yeah, I look. I look when I was looking up the cast list. I saw that Brad Bird uh, voiced her, and I I thought that was hilarious. That is really really funny. Yeah. So that a, a guy, <laughs> the director, her. yeah, the director voices her. So I thought that was pretty good. So I definitely think we'll be seeing more of her. I so. I'm, I'm glad. I, she's she's delightful. Yeah, but overall, I mean, from the trailers uh, and kind of what we've seen, I think the second movie uh, is going to be really interesting. I think flipping the script and having Bob be at home with Jack-Jack and kind of being the stay-at-home dad and trying to keep hold of the family uh, as as Jack-Jack is getting his powers and then Elastigirl's out, you know, saving the world, doing the superhero thing, you know, is great. And I think it'll probably play into more kind of like you said of, you know, he didn't really apologize, but... You know, he realizes, hey, it's not all about being a super because he's willing to stay at home while while she, you know, goes out and, and kind of does this. And ultimately, we'll see. You know, am I right? Am I Joe Stradamus? Um, you know, are the people that employ her turn out to be villainous or not? Who knows? Put but, the put the crystal ball away. I, <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> but like I said, it comes out uh, this Friday, June fifteenth. If you're listening to this the day the episode releases, uh, if not, if it's afterwards, uh, you know, go out and see it. Check us out on Facebook at Enchanted Ears Podcast. Let us know what you thought about the first Incredibles movie, what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it. Once you see the second one, you know, find the post um, for this episode when it gets released. Find that post on Facebook. Kind of you know, comment on that as well. I really like the floppy hand uh, gestures. Yeah, I make, that a, you're lot, doing I make right a lot now. of hand motions whenever it, I talk. Yeah, so. it's it's very it's very it's very cute. It's very endearing. So that's it. For, that's it for this week's episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for us on iTunes. That really helps us out. It does really help. Uh, join us next week. We'll be talking about the Avengers. Uh, the, kind of doing a review of Infinity War, and then back to making predictions and speculating about what I think is going to happen in the the next Avengers movie and I think I got a good chance of guessing what's going to happen in that one as well. Yeah. So we'll have well, to you, read, you like to read spoilers too. I, I was did a lot of research. I got very deep into the comic books on this. That's totally not I almost not have, consistent with your personality. I'm getting I'm getting all. pretty close to getting one of those like police cork boards where you kind of have the strings tied together connecting all the different comic books together. I have I'm not at that point yet but I may be soon. So we'll we'll see, but, but that'll be next week. So until then, uh, thanks for listening and And have have a magical magical day. day.